you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Reviewing Fiends. And with me, as mostly always, especially this last week or so, is Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, it's, you know, the weekends we don't get to talk to each other as much. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, this is a nice little run we're on of uh, doing episodes together. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, yeah. as long as I go to games on weekends, it doesn't affect the podcast. Yeah, same for me. I went to the game on Friday, but we don't record on Friday nights, so uh, it was no big deal. Yeah. So, uh, if you don't know, the Dodgers swept. We're going to talk about a few points from over the weekend about that. You know, just kind of recap certain things about the weekend that stood out to us. Yeah, I think this is kind of a hodgepodge episode, you could call it. We're just going to touch on about a thousand different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When you sweep the Marlins like you're supposed to, that's probably the way it should be. Yeah. But first, before we get all that, a reminder to subscribe to Locked on Dodgers. You can do so wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We we still recommend the Himalaya app, but you you guys do what you want to do. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. Today's show is brought to you in part by Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code Locked On. Yeah, get get. I don't know about the whatever kind of delivery, but uh, you know, do what you do. Get get what you want delivered. Yeah, I think they'll even uh, go to the grocery store for you and just pick yeah. up some diapers for you or whatever you need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they deliver that, and we deliver a great podcast. So. Those are the two things that yeah. people deliver. Yeah, there you go. All right, so Dodgers swept the Marlins, like I said. Uh, let's start off with the strong point. Well, the offense was pretty strong, but one of the strong points of the weekend, starting pitching, uh, the Marlins are the worst team in the National League, and then they got to face the Dodgers' three all-star starters, and it can go – it went as about as you expected. Jeff, lay the numbers on us. Yeah, and, you know, with a little caveat, I said after the, the series in Coors that you can't <laughs> learn too much from a series in Coors, and that's probably also true for you can't learn too much about a series of facing the Marlins hitters, but – uh, I, I guess you could have learned something negative if they had struggled, and the Dodgers starting pitchers did not struggle. Uh, between Ryu, Kershaw, and Bueller, they pitched a combined 28 innings. They allowed 11 hits and four walks. So, sorry, 20 innings. 11 hits, four walks. So that's a .75 whip. Uh, 28 strikeouts and one run. Uh, they just dominated from from start to finish, and... Uh, I mean, the, really the only knock against them is you could say that none of them were extremely efficient. Part of that is because they were striking out so many guys. 
Uh, Ryu walked more than he usually does. Kershaw and Bueller both struck out a ton of guys. And so those things take some pitches. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we saw on Saturday, it might have been better if all three pitchers had been able to throw complete games. Uh, but, you know, even with, with Kershaw coming out after six innings, uh, he didn't need to come out. They were up by six runs. It should have been safe for him to come out. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But, uh, you know, he said after the game he didn't want to come out. But I assume in his heart of hearts he understands that, you know, and Kershaw's point, which is a valid point, that they have two off days coming up this week, which means he's going to have two extra days of rest anyway. So he thought Roberts should let him throw 110 pitches or so. Uh, which is a valid point, but I also kind of like that Roberts is basically, you know what, this is a July series against the Marlins. I want those bullets for an October series against the, you know, I, I can't even think of a team they're likely to play in the postseason. Uh, I'll just say the Yankees, you know. Uh, but, you know, I, I like that Roberts is playing for October, even though it almost came back to bite him on Saturday. Uh, I like that mindset. And, yeah, the starting pitching was just dominant. Yeah, I think – you know, Rio struggled with his command more so than usual. Three walks is pretty uncharacteristic for him this season. You know, but then Kershaw and Bueller on, I mean, Kershaw on Saturday had what, almost, he had what, seven strikeouts through the first three innings, I believe, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was rolling. And I think, I mean, I started getting a feeling like, oh, maybe, uh, you know, there's something, something happen. And then, uh, he threw one away that they ruled a hit, but then the next batter got a real hit, so it didn't really matter. And then, and then you know, I went to the game Sunday, and I was kind of expecting. I'm like, if Bueller's on, this might be one of those days where something might happen. But uh, he gave up a hit early on, but I mean, he was just straight down. He struck out seven of the first nine, and he, I mean, he ended up playing the contact a little more the last couple in, or last few innings. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the Marlins; they're not great, but. That's what teams got to – that's what good teams do. They beat the bad teams, and that's what the Dodgers did. Yeah, and we said last week, uh, you know, the, the Dodgers could have been forgiven for losing that series against the Red Sox, going into Boston, playing in a tough stadium against a good team, and the games, they meant more to the Red Sox than they did to the Dodgers. The games were more important to the Red Sox. You could have easily forgiven the Dodgers for losing two out of three of that series. Instead, they won the series. That was huge. And then in Philadelphia, again – the games mean so much more to the Phillies than the Dodgers. The weather was terrible, and they pulled out a split. You know, that road trip, you, you kind of got – they went uh, four and three on the road trip coming out of the All-Star break, and you're like, that that's solid. But then you come home and play the Marlins, and basically, even though the games don't really matter, the only acceptable outcome in a three-game home series against the Marlins is a sweep. Like – you know, obviously that that's hyperbole. It's not the only acceptable outcome, but I think we can all agree we would have been a little disappointed if the Dodgers had only won two out of three. You know, you yeah. you expect a sweep when the best team in baseball is playing the worst team in baseball or the worst team in the league. Anyway, yeah. I mean, and honestly, it wouldn't have even been other. We'll talk about this now. The the eighth inning on Saturday, without that inning, I mean, it's a pretty clear and easy series the whole way. But you know. Obviously, yes, the bullpen is has had its struggles. That's well known. But, you know, we, we have a reason for you not to worry too much about that eighth inning. Jeff, I'll, I'll let you begin. Yeah, basically, nobody who we're really counting on in October. Or that that should be counted on. That should be counted on pitched in that inning. You know, that, that is based on the assumption that the Dodgers will pick up one or two new relievers. 
but, you know, I mean, the closest we've talked about, maybe Caleb Ferguson, possibly. Um, and then he bounced back today on Sunday and, and had a pretty solid inning, gave up one hit. Um, so, you know, it, it's not the end of the road for Ferguson. Yimmy Garcia pitched in that inning and wasn't great. And he's a guy who I've talked about all season of, you know, he's got good stuff and he, he shows flashes of brilliance. Um, but it's not like, you know, I would be worried if it was Pedro Baez and Joe Kelly and Kenley Jansen who blew a sixth one lead. Um, but it wasn't, it was those other guys kind of like early in the season. I was like, okay, I'm not really worried because Brock Stewart and Dennis Santana are giving up runs and they're not anybody who is going to be in the bullpen this year. And so, yeah, it, you know, it, it's almost like it, it was the B team. It was the, it was the scrubs in that game and they tried to blow it and, you know, they did have to bring Baez in and Baez, you know, it actually should have gotten them out of it. You know, uh, it, he, he got a double play grounder. He came in and did his job. So really the one thing we can learn from that is Pedro Baez is still somebody we can count on. And that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that continued a little bit this weekend was the defensive struggles, but they finally had a clean game on Sunday. No, no errors after a string of seven straight games with two errors. But when we talked, we touched on that last week. I, I still don't think it's, too big of an issue at this point. Um, you know, Muncie's had a little bit of a, of a hard time, hard go of it in the second half, but you know, he hasn't also, he also hasn't played first as much and he's playing the other position. So maybe too much exposure at those positions, you know, might be a little bit for him. Seager's, you know, Seager's always going to have a little bit of a, of an issue with some, some ground balls. He tries to backhand a lot, but I still don't see that overall it's too big of an issue do you you know do you have anything on defense uh just that roberts was kind of laughing in the face of that that multi-error game streak uh on sunday's game when he said all right screw it let's put russell martin at third and justin turner at second you yeah. know let's put this defense to a test and they you know they got through it they didn't I, they didn't have any errors right on sunday yeah nope no errors yeah and so it's good to break that streak i i said last week you know it's going to take a lot more than a couple bad weeks. I think we're at basically the last three weeks that the defense has been pretty bad. Uh, but it's going to take more than three weeks to convince me that they're a bad defensive team. Uh, I think it's probably just a slump. And they happen. Players go through slumps. And sometimes, you know, multiple players go through slumps at the same time. And it's been a lot of different kinds of errors. You know, there's that pop-up on Saturday that Corey had to run you know, 120 feet to even get to, and then he's near the dugout. Yeah, it hit him in the glove. He should have caught it. But if if he had caught it, people would have been saying, well, Corey, that's a nice play. You know, yeah. not a great play. It was expected. So, yeah, I, the error was the right call, but it, it still would have been a nice play. Um, there's a lot of just dumb little things. Kike made that throwing error in that same inning, trying to turn the double play. I don't know why he stepped on the bag with his right foot instead of kind of stepping with his left foot as he's throwing. I, I don't know, but I, I'm not, I'm not an elite defender like Kike is. So I don't, I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he's right and I'm wrong. And he just didn't execute the way he should have, but yeah, I'm not worried about it right now, Yeah. but I reserve the right to change my mind. That's very true. Uh, all right. That'll do it for the first half of the show. Next half show, we'll talk about some offensive standouts and, a minor league move that was made that's intriguing to us. But before that, another 
part another uh this show is brought to you by today's show brought to you in part by hotels.com don't hate like your friend's trip book your own with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere hotels.com be there do that get rewarded be like jeff yeah be like me yeah and we'll be right back all right we are back and as you all well know obscure dodger is how we kick off the second half of the show and today's obscure dodger of the day i searched so i searched the 1993 dodgers to find a random dodger on that team and one name stuck out to me because I was like, wait, I remember him as a Dodger, but not 1993. I remember him later in his career. And so I, I was like, maybe I'm confused, but I was not. So my obscure Dodger of the day is Omar Dahl. Omar Dahl was, came up as a Dodger. He made his debut in 1993, and then he was with the Dodgers until 19, through 1995. And then he came back and was a Dodger in 2002. So that's when I remember him. Uh, from 2002, but I did not know he was a Dodger to start his career. He also played with the Diamondbacks, Expos, Phillies, Orioles, and Blue Jays. Had an 11-year career. Uh, his best year with the Dodgers, probably when he came back in 2002, he was 11-9 and with a 3-9 ERA, 23 starts, 39 games, 161 innings. So, you know, nothing great by any means, but decent a decent guy when he had come back. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just, I didn't, today I learned that he started his career with the Dodgers. So Jeff, you got anything on Omar Dahl? Uh, no, that's funny that you didn't know that. I sometimes forget how young you are. And then I'm reminded when you say things about Omar Dahl. Um, no, the, the most notable thing about Omar Dahl for me is that he was part of the trade between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies that sent Kurt Schilling to the Diamondbacks. Um, <laughs> it was him. Travis Lee, Nelson Figueroa, and Vicente Padilla went to the Phillies from the D-backs, and Schilling went to the D-backs. There you go. All right, that'll do it for that part of the show. All right, so let's talk about offense. Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and start it off with a, little, a guy that we know, a little guy, friend of the show, Matt Beatty. Had, had a moment. He came up with two on in the eighth inning on in Saturday night's game and did what Matt Beatty does, which is destroy baseball's late innings when it's clutch situations. Uh, the Dodgers won that. That was after the, the bullpen had just blown the, the five run lead. And, you know, Matt Beatty did, did that. Uh, the big night he had, he had a nice little walk in and bat drop. And then, you know, his wife, Jessica Beatty, who was also also a friend of the show, she had a nice little Twitter night, and it was just a fun night overall for for Matt Beatty. And he's kind of he's endearing himself to the to the fans, obviously. When anytime you come through in the clutch, uh, but he's been on fire since he got called back up, and it's good to see. And I think he's starting to you know maybe carve himself a role and maybe make Jock Peterson expendable. I don't know. Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, I was happy for him and Jessica that because you know we talked about it last week how unfairly they were treated by the Philadelphia fans after the obviously accidental uh, little clip of, of Reese Hoskins foot. Um, Jessica was, she took that pretty personally, which I understand I would too. And, and she was pretty fired up about it. And so it was fun to get to see her back to just enjoying watching her husband play baseball. So that made me happy. Uh, obviously the home run made me happy for about a thousand different reasons. Um, 
that, yeah, Matt Beatty, he's just impossible not to root for. And some of that I am biased because, you know, we have had him on both of our podcasts now. He's, he's, he's right up there with Charlie Culberson as, you know, the nicest, the nicest guys I've ever talked to. Just super nice. We had Charlie on, on our old podcast after he hit that walk-off home run to clinch the division in, when was that, 2016? Yeah, 16. Yeah. Um, and he was just so nice. And that's who Matt Beatty reminds me of. You know, they're just both so nice. And so, you know, Matt is one of those guys you want nothing but the best for. And uh, he took the time on Friday before the game. Uh, he came down and met up with me and my sons uh, before the game. And, you know, that was a thrill for my boys just to get to stand there and talk to a, a real Dodger there for a few minutes. He stood and talked to us and, you know, just just nice guy. And so then the next day when he comes up in that big spot and, you know, they didn't need a home run. Uh, and that's kind of the kind of the theme with him. You don't always need a home run when he when he delivers a home run. You know, he came up with first and second and just a patented gap shot by Beatty, you know, would have would have driven in the go ahead run. But he, he put a good swing on it. And that's what I like about him is that he puts good swings on the ball. He, his approach doesn't change. And that's what makes him so good in the clutch because he uses the same approach. That's why some guys, I think, shrink in clutch situations because they they try to do too much. And, you know, you, you have guys, we saw it with Grandal a lot, it seemed like last year, where he would come up and all you need is a fly ball. And and he would end up striking out because he's trying to do too much. And uh, yeah, and not just Grandal. I don't know why I'm singling him out. But you see it with a lot of people. And Beatty just comes up there and just does his thing. He says, I'm going to get a pitch to hit hard. I'm going to hit it hard. And whatever happens, happens from there. And I love it. And it was it was fun to watch. And I was as happy for him as I was for me as a Dodger fan that the Dodger fans won the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he... I mean, he told us uh, when we had him on the podcast, on one of the podcasts, you know, his favorite position is being in the batter's box, pretty much. Uh, and that's what he does. He comes in and he hits. And like I said, his approach doesn't change. And at this point, you, I mean, it's kind of expected. Uh, when Seager hit that, that double to start the inning in the eighth, or or one-out double, and then, or whenever, yeah. and then Austin Barnes came up. I was like, okay, as long as Austin Barnes doesn't hit into some kind of weird double play, the Dodger taking the lead because I expect Beatty to get a hit and he did more than that. He delivered way more than that. So yeah. Been, yeah. So he, he's fun to watch and it's a good, you know, another little weapon to have and hopefully keeps it going. And like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens in terms of roster, but uh, yeah, he definitely has a place to stay at least until Taylor's back at the very least. Yep. All right. Next guy I want to talk about offensively is AJ Pollock. It's the guy who most fans didn't like and who maybe some fans still don't like or so don't believe 100% in, but he's been on fire since he's come back from injury and in the second half. He's 13 for 32 with 12 RBI and four home runs, I believe, in those in nine games since coming back. So it's he's been great uh, offensively. We talked about him a little bit defensively last week, and uh, he hasn't really had any issues since then, but we'll see how that continues on. But, yeah, let's talk about A.J. Pollock and – and, I mean, this is kind of – when we had to talk ourselves into A.J. Pollock, this is what we were talking about. Hey, when he's healthy, he's good. And right now he seems healthy and he's hitting well. Yeah, the the A.J. Pollock we've seen the last week or so 
is the one who scared the crap out of us every time he came to the plate in a Diamondbacks uniform. He he is a really good hitter when he's healthy. And you know, it was a it was a questionable signing by the Dodgers this past offseason. Uh but, you know, basically when we talked ourselves into Pollock, what we t- the way we did it was we said, well, when he's healthy, he's going to be good. And when he's not healthy, he won't be taking up a roster spot. He'll be on the injured list, and they'll have one of their 8,000 other outfielders playing. And that's kind of what we've seen. You know, he, he wasn't good in April. Uh, but, you know, he was saying, or I heard on the radio that he had said uh, that maybe he was trying to do too much, uh, trying to impress his new team, and just kind of pressing. And so... Uh, Pollock has said it was kind of a blessing in disguise that he spent a couple months on the injured list where he was with the team, but not having to perform. And so he was getting more comfortable with the guys. So by the time he came back, he's just one of the guys, you know, he, he's not the new guy on the team anymore and he doesn't feel that pressure to perform and he can just go out there and play baseball the way he knows how to play. And, you know, I am really excited about what we're seeing because, you know, and it's not, I mean, when you look at Beatty, before today, when he went over four, um, since being called back up to the minors, he had like an OPS of like 3,300 or something. Yeah, he was six for seven with three home runs. Yeah, and that's not sustainable, you know. But but Pollock, we're not seeing anything that's not sustainable. He's just hitting the ball hard, you know. And yeah, the home run numbers probably won't stay up because he had, you know, both of his home runs in Boston uh, were, I wouldn't say flukes. Uh, but the one he product, they were products of Finley. Yeah. The one over the monster, like he went down and just kind of poked it up over it. I, you know, it went farther than I thought it was going to the one around pesky pole. You know, that's not a home run anywhere else except there in Yankee stadium. Um, but he was still putting on the ball in play. And both of those still would have been, you know, at least I don't remember who was, if there was anybody on with the one that he hit over the monster, but the one around uh, Pe- the one at pesky pole, I think that's probably a double in a lot of stadiums, you know? I mean, he put the ball in play, and so he's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball well. And I noticed at the game Friday night when I was sitting there in the stands, I was like, I feel confident when Pollock steps to the plate. And, you know, it's subjective. That doesn't actually mean anything except that I watch every game, and, you know, those feelings are based on what we've actually seen, you know? And, and. Uh, like with Kike Hernandez, I don't feel confident right now. I, I'm starting to feel more hopeful, like there's a possibility. Yeah. Austin Barnes, I still kind of, I'm surprised every time he does anything, you know, but <laughs> but Pollock, he comes out the plate and I think, okay, you know, especially if, if he's got a runner in scoring position, I'm like, he's going to put the ball in play. He's going to he's gonna do something to help the team, uh, even if it's not a home run or even a hit, but he is going to, give us a good at bat and give us a chance of, of doing something good. And that's all you can ask for from a guy uh, defense. We've talked about, you know, but is uh, I expect him to be a good defensive outfielder uh, and, and the offense can make up for a lot of questionable defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest part with Pollock is earlier in the year, he was not quite Austin Barnes level, but he was swinging and missing a lot, a lot of strikeouts. And it was just like, man, like, I don't feel any type of way when he comes back. Now you, you're starting to feel that confidence. And he said after the game, you know, his home run today, his home run yesterday was opposite field. 
And I, I thought it was a fly ball when he first hit it, just kind of carried a little bit, kind of like Jack Peterson earlier in that game. But, you know, he says he feels at full, like at his best when he's hitting the ball hard the opposite way. And he's doing that and he's pulling the ball hard. So if he's feeling at his best and obviously the results are showing, uh, you know, we, we have a nice little next two months to look forward to before we get into the postseason. So hopefully he can keep it up and stay healthy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Last little part we wanted to talk about. So Kieber Ruiz, he turned 21 and then he was promoted to AAA. But as we all know, Will Smith is already in AAA and healthy. He didn't really – he wasn't too badly injured when he took that ball off the wrist. So, all right, Jeff. So, we with two of the stud catchers at AAA, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense for that. You know, teams don't usually do things like that. So, what what what, what do we think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, really there's only two possibilities because you're right. There's no – it's really hard to picture them actually leaving both guys on the AAA roster for an extended period of time because they're both starting catchers. And for their development, they both need to be starting catchers. And so they're not going to share a roster right now. Uh, so the options are either Will Smith is on his way back to the big leagues, uh, which couldn't come too soon as far as all of us are concerned, I think. Um, or... Uh, or one of them is on the way to a different organization. And, you know, or I guess, or the third option is both of those. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Will Smith back in the big leagues and Cabert Ruiz traded in the next couple weeks. Opening the door for Rocky Gale starting catcher. Rocky Gale. Now that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and some, of it, <laughs> some of it, uh, Connor Wong, uh, that, that's his name, right? He's the catcher? Yeah. Okay, I get Connor Wong and Jaron Kendall mixed up for some reason, uh, because Colton Wong is a second baseman, and Jaron Ken or Jason Kendall was a catcher, so yeah. I always think that Wong is an infielder and Kendall's a catcher. But your, your brain works in mysterious ways. Yeah, Jeff. Kendall's an outfielder, Wong is a catcher, and <laughs> Connor Wong got promoted from Ranch Cucamonga to Tulsa, and so that was part of it, you know, because Wong needs to be starting too, and so I'm sure that had something to do with Ruiz getting promoted to AAA. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think, I don't know how they're going to get Will Smith back in the big leagues because, you know, Russell Martin is kind of a team leader or at least, a, you know, he, he's a good presence in the clubhouse. Uh, I don't know if he'd be open to a phantom DL stint, but, uh, you know, and maybe Austin Barnes. And honestly, he's, he's better at the plate than Austin Barnes. Well, yeah, but. Barely. You know, he he's also ten years older than Austin Barnes. You know, yeah, and, and that's the thing. There's, you've got age factors. You've got contract status after this year, um, but yeah, I mean, one of those guys could easily go on the injured list, uh, and and then spend some time, you know, spend them take a month off, Austin, uh, or take turns. Austin, you take two weeks off, and then Russell will take two weeks off, and just just alternate back and forth for the rest of the season and let Will Smith get the bulk of the time. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's hard to, it's getting really hard to justify leaving Smith down there in the minors right now. And, and we said it at the beginning of the season, you know, we talked a lot about uh, what would have to happen for Will Smith to get playing time. And, and we said either injuries or either Barnes or Martin would have to struggle really bad. And what we've had is both of those guys struggling really bad. Uh, defense has been fine for both of them, but offensively they've both been really bad. 
And so, uh, yeah, I mean, and Smith has been better, better than we could have possibly anticipated in the, in the minors and the majors. And so it's hard to picture them leaving him down there until September. And I think we'll see him back soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we, like we, we talked about this before at the beginning and a little bit recently is that we said, if, you know, if everything else is working out, you don't have to expect much from the catcher position. What, uh, and that's while that's still true, <laughs> what we're getting from the catcher position is even less than, you know, what you can really expect. I mean, their, their OPSs the last month or so are both under 600 and that's not, you know, that's, that's not going to do it. That's not going to get it done. Uh, obviously the Dodgers are still winning in spite of that, but uh, in order to, you know, you're playing pretty much for October. The Dodgers are playing for October. They're trying to find the postseason roster and to not have Will Smith auditioning for that role, uh, at least right. I mean, there's still a long time, but to have, to get it started sooner, you know, get them, get them working with the pitching staff and everything else, get them familiar there's a lot of stuff for a catcher that a catcher has to do rather than, you know, outfielder or infielder to come in. And I think they need to start it sooner rather than later in order to get ready for, you know, October. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, anything else you got on your mind from the weekend, Jeff? No, I think uh, this has been a long enough episode. There's no game today. So, uh, you know, if you don't get through this whole episode on your commute, hopefully you can listen to it, you know, in the evening when you normally would have been watching the Dodger game. So, yeah. Yeah, there'll probably be a little bit of content from the Dodgers All Access, but nothing really going on Dodger wise. The trade deadline is ten days away, or nine after by tomorrow, or by the time you're listening to this. So teams supposedly were taking this weekend to kind of decide a little bit more on buy or sell mode. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll throw <laughs> we'll throw a little quick thing to the Giants, who are fourteen and three in July. And they're still 15 games out of first place. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and even though they won three out of four from the Mets, the three that they won all went to extra innings. And like when you're going extra innings with the Mets every day, even if you're getting the wins, you know, you got to recognize that you're not actually a very good team. Yeah. And I think the only thing that worries me, or not worries me, is, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, bye, 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 bye. Like, you know, take the chance and keep on Garner and all the relievers. In previous years, that's 100% what they would do. But with Farhan at the helm, I don't think that's what they're going to do unless he gets a mandate from ownership to go for it. Yeah, the, the only reason I was sad about Farhan leaving the Dodgers was that it meant the Giants had a smart GM finally. And yeah. and that that sucks. But, you know, good for them, I guess. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. So off day tomorrow or today, like we said. So we'll find something to do that's different, that doesn't have a game analysis going. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you think we sound best, whatever podcast app you use. We're not going to push any on you. You decide. You've already decided, so you know what you want to listen to. If you like the show, then you need to show us. Obviously, subscribe, download, listen every day. You know, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody that you see that's a Dodger fan. Most importantly... We need those ratings and reviews to go up. Last week we went up early in the week and then didn't go up. If we can get one person every time we talk to do a rating and or a review, we're happy. So do that if you have a chance. 
We are on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. You can follow Jeff at Snydog. You can follow me at Vince Samperio. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 323-863-LOCK. That's 323-863-LOCK. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll say talk to you later. D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles. Your Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.